for our sermon today, which is from <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, part A. It's always important to remember those A's and B's. <clears throat> Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. You may be seated. And I'll pray for the offering and a couple other prayer requests. Almighty God, we do ask that uh, you open our ears and our hearts to hear your word. And whether the miracle occurs in the speaking or in the hearing, so God transform us. Our prayer for today is that this church and each individual in it would be transformative. We pray for those in our congregation who are suffering and going through trials right now. Especially we want to pray for Dan. Uh, Robin's husband, Kaylee's dad, who was in a very bad accident. So, God, we just pray for healing. We pray for wisdom for the doctors. We pray for peace in um, their household, that Robin and Kaylee would know that your hand is at work, oh, God. And the greatest prayer we could ask, oh, God, is that this event would, would bring Dan to know you, to see you, to see that uh, there's a reason and a purpose for everything and God let it let it be to that great purpose and uh, we pray for others in our church who are going through difficult times either through health or finances or different struggles God um, we are a people of faith and we walk by faith not by sight the things we see are an opportunity to see you triumph and to raise mature us and bring us to make us more than conquerors in every event. So Lord, mature us, draw us close to you that we would faithfully walk in your word and your truth, not in the things we see around us. We ask these things and God bless the preacher, Mark, as he comes up to, to bring us the message today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you, Joe, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to next week where Pastor Joe is going to be sharing uh, and preaching. I always love to hear him and, uh, and hear what he has to say. Um, and I'm just excited to be here with you guys this morning. I'm excited to see some faces that I haven't seen in a little while, so that's fun. Um, and just excited to be up here and, and to be able to talk about God's Word. <clears throat> um, have, have you ever thought about doing something different with your hair? Would <laughs> would you guys like to come over for dinner? Uh, did you lose weight? I'm just happy that my baby is healthy. That looks like something you might need to have checked out by a doctor. What's the problem? Hey, don't forget that bill is due this week. How come you didn't come to the party last night? These random statements and questions might seem innocent to you, but for somebody who struggles with mental illness, something as simple as a question like this or a statement like this 
can send them down a rabbit hole for hours, days, weeks. Maybe it's not these phrases. Maybe it's a day on the calendar. Maybe it's a sound or a smell that brings you back to a time. Any of these things can be triggers for somebody. It can be a big change in life or even a little change in life. Maybe having family members who are fighting. All these things are some of the many things that can lead to problems for people who struggle with mental illness. It can be anything from a minor nuisance to a debilitating experience. And this morning, we're going to talk about mental health. Um, this is something that's often ignored in the church. But God cares about our whole self, not just one part. In Philippians 4.8, Paul says, fix your thoughts, and this is a little bit like what we sang this morning, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. See, God cares about our thoughts and our emotions. He wants them to be healthy. At the end of last school year uh, with our team group, the Shields of Faith, we went through uh, this study on mental health. And I just thought it was great, and I thought we all should hear it. Um, so I'm excited to, to talk to you this morning. We're going to talk about mental health in the church, mental health in the Bible, and mental health in you. All right, so let's start with mental health and the church. Now, depending on your experience, uh, when you think of mental health and the church, you may think, man, the church was a place that really helped me and came alongside me when I was struggling with mental health. Or you might think that the church is the reason for my struggle with mental health, <laughs> right? Um, th this is a broad spectrum. Uh, but this morning, we're going to talk about a, a couple things specifically that, that we think uh, the church can do and maybe has done. Um, but the first thing we want to talk about is how anyone can struggle with mental illness. We were told in stats that one in five people are diagnosed with mental illness. One in five. Do you know what that means? There are Christians who are diagnosed with mental illness, right? Um, Anyone can struggle with mental illness. Even really mature Christians can struggle with it. Listen to Psalm 31, verses 9 and 10. It says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I'm dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. Now, you read later on in Psalm 31, and you see that David says, But I am trusting you, O Lord, saying, You are my God. And even after that, God heard his call, his cry for mercy, and he answered his call for help. So I think sometimes, because we get to see the whole picture of someone in the Bible, we think, well, it couldn't have been that bad, right? But listen to the words that he says when he was in the middle of it. I am dying from grief. My body and soul are withering away. Do these things sound maybe like depression to you? Maybe something that he was dealing with, very serious? David is hurting. Even in the midst of these down moments, it is still possible to trust God. But we can see that David's a great example of how someone who is a Christian, who later on we're told that he was a man after God's own heart, and he suffered. He suffered. He struggled with these things. But even though anyone can suffer from this, in the church, there's this common practice of spiritualizing mental health and mental illness. 
but spiritualizing away mental illness can be very damaging. Now, what does that mean, spiritualizing away mental illness? Well, maybe you've heard somebody say, you just need to trust God more, right? Maybe even you've thought that God is just punishing me for something I've done wrong. Or maybe that God is testing you. You see, Jesus encountered some of this. When he was with his disciples, they found a man who was blind. And the disciples said, Jesus, uh, whose sin caused this blindness? Was it this man or his parents? And Jesus said, no, it was neither of those things. In fact, it was for God to be glorified. And he healed the man, right? People have often thought that when you struggle, it must be because of sin in your life. Please hear me. Sometimes we struggle because of sin in our life. That is true. Sometimes we have fear and anxiety and doubt because of something that we've done wrong. Sometimes we need to trust God more. But sometimes people have chemical imbalances. Sometimes people have severe anxiety, depression, eating disorders, personality disorders, post-traumatic stress, or a psychotic disorder that requires intervention. You might need to see a trained physician. There might be something, something going on physically that requires medication or supplements or something to help get back, help your body get back to a healthy level. This could be because of genetic makeup. It could be because of some traumatic experience in your life. But one of the most damaging aspects of when we spiritualize it away and say that you just need to trust God more is that it causes people to feel shame. It makes them think, I'm just not a good enough Christian. And what shame does that is so hurtful is it prevents us from doing the most important thing that we can do when we're struggling with mental illness, which is talk to someone about it. We need to share our struggle it's good to openly share our brokenness, our pain, our hurt with people who are godly friends in a trusted, godly relationship so that we can receive encouragement and support. Listen to, listen to Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Share with one another. I've had conversations with many people in the church who would be so willing to tell someone else, that they need to go see counseling. They need to go and talk to someone. And yet when the conversation comes about them going to see a counselor, no, that gets shut right down, right? We need to be willing to share. I've seen a counselor before to deal with anxiety issues that I have. You know, when we talk about, when I talked before about how anyone can struggle with mental illness, you know, I'm, not, I'm no super Christian, but the pastor of your church has been to a counselor to deal with anxiety. Anyone can struggle with this. There's no need to feel shame about needing help. God created us for relationship with himself and one another. And one of the prime objectives of that is to help one another when we're struggling. We see the church has historically made some missteps in relation to this topic by leading people to believe that good Christians don't struggle with mental illness or it's because of sin in their life, but truly the church is intended to be 
a refuge, right? Huh? Huh? <laughs> the church is intended to be a refuge for people who are struggling. Um, so this is kind of the relationship between the, the church and mental illness. But what does the Bible say about mental health? Well, the first thing we see is that God wants us to express our emotions to him. We just talked about sharing the struggle with one another. But God wants us to tell him our emotions. Listen to Psalm 22, 1 and 2. Again, this is from a psalm from David. And it says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. David, you can't say that to God, right? Like, that's not okay. You can't say these things. I promise you, God is fine, <laughs> right? You don't need to protect him. <laughs> if you have a thought or an emotion, I hate to tell you, but he already knows. <laughs> he already knows that you thought this. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be disrespectful to God. God will not be mocked, right? But if you have this, these thoughts, if you have these emotions, share them with him because he will help you get through them. Sometimes you might need to yell at us. These words, excuse me, you might need to yell at him. You might need to yell at me too. But um, <laughs> they, These words might sound harsh and like something we're not supposed to say to God, but he wants us to share what's in our hearts. When David says, I call or lift my voice, do you think he's saying, God, hello, are you there? No. He's saying, God, where are you? Why did you abandon me? And not only did David say this, but who do we see later? Who quotes him? Jesus. Right? He knows what we're thinking. When you bring it out, when you say it to him, it brings reality to your relationship. We always say, Openness and honest communication are the backbone of a good relationship, right? Well, why would that be any different with your relationship with God? So not only are we supposed to express our emotions to God, but also the Bible tells us that all suffering exists because of sin. Now, you might say, Mark, a little while ago you said it's not because of sin in your life. Well, what I was referring to is that it's not because of some poor action or some disobedient action that you did. But rather, sin, we, that's what we often think of as sin, but sin is more than that. You might have heard of the term sin nature, which sin is like a disease that infects everything and keeps it from being the way God made it. Suffering, including mental health, entered the world in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. But there is hope. Although we do have this disease of sin, God is actively working out his plan. And his plan is to rid the world of sin and its consequences. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 1-4. It's a little small, but I'll read it for you. It says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, 
oh man, we grow weary, right? There's a lot of things that people were talking about this morning where people are growing weary. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like clothing. For we will put on our heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on the new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. That is awesome. Now, I don't know about you guys, but my body could use a tune-up. You know what I mean? Right? Swallowed up by life. I love those words. How do we get these bodies? How do we have this hope? Well, earlier in the book, Paul says, if you look to the Lord and believe in Jesus Christ, you can have this hope. You say to God, I know I've sinned and we have issues because of that. But I know you sent Jesus to pay for those sins. And him, I'm going to follow him. He's my guy. That's how you, that's how you have this hope. You can have the hope of a renewed heavenly body that will be full of life. When we change, when our lives have been changed by Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in us, and our suffering now has an opportunity to be used by him. Because God redeems our suffering for his purposes. Oh, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 1. 3 to 5. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. When you're struggling with mental illness, what do you want? Comfort. That word sounds beautiful. Comfort. That's what we're seeking when we're in depression, when we're in anxiety. We're seeking comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. You see, we use words like troubles, and they look a little, they look a little uh, easy on, on a page or on a screen, right? But what are troubles? You see, he comforts us when we lose a child. He comforts us when we lose a family member. When we go through a divorce, when our parents go through a divorce, he comforts us. When we're riddled with depression and anxiety, he comforts us. When we're in an accident, when we get that 2 a.m. phone call, he comforts us. When you're in the hospital with COVID, when you have an anxiety attack, he comforts us in the most down, times of our lives so that we can comfort someone else. Do you know what that means? That means it wasn't worthless. That means that trouble that you went through, that pain, that anxiety, it wasn't worthless. It has meaning. You didn't just go through it to go through nothing, to go through something. He did it and he redeems, he redeems the bad. 
share your story. Share your story with someone. That's what makes it worth it. Share it with someone who's hurting. You can help someone. I promise you there's someone that needs to hear your story. That's how God redeems it. That's how he takes the bad thing and makes it good. That's what he specializes in. If you struggled with mental illness, with anxiety, depression, body image issues, PTSD, or anything else for that matter, and God has comforted you, share that story with someone. God will use it to comfort others. There's someone in that desperately needs to hear it to know that there's a path forward, to know there's a way out. That life won't always be what it is in the lowest moments. You see, sin brings pain and brokenness to this world, but God will get rid of it. And in the meantime, he uses your pain and brokenness to help others. So we know that there's some missteps that the church has taken in relation to mental health. And we talked a little bit about the Bible and, and God's plan of action and how he redeems mental health struggles now. Let's look at a couple more practical things uh, concerning mental health um, and you. Now, the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, seeking self-awareness. Self-awareness is key to working toward good mental health and wholeness. See, our bodies are, and emotions are designed by God, and they're connected to one another. Listen to some of the uh, symptoms of mental illness. Mental illness. Uh, feelings of guilt or feeling worthless. Inability to make decisions. Nausea, changes in appetite or sleep. See, some of the symptoms are emotional and some are physical. We need to be aware of the signals that our body is giving us. Instead of ignoring how tired you are every night, maybe you need to talk to God and say, hey, help me, re reveal to me what's going on. There might be something that you need to take a step back from that you're, you're doing that is wearing you out. Maybe you shouldn't have that afternoon coffee. Um, you might need to see a counselor to speak to someone to figure out a little bit better what's going on. But recognizing these signals will help on our intentional journey towards health. Because self-awareness is conscious knowledge of our character, feelings, and emotions. But it's not just the knowledge of our character, feeling, and emotions. Self-awareness also is the knowledge of what the Bible says to be true about you. Sorry, I went too quickly. Um, about what the Bible says to be true about you. I thought this was awesome. This is such a great point. Knowing who you are is not just knowing the things you do. It's not just knowing how you react to something. Knowing who you are requires knowing the Bible because the Bible tells you the truth about who you are. The Bible tells you what your standing is. The Bible tells you the truth when you want to be, believe a lie. Because if you're like me, if you've struggled with mental illness, man, you are believing some lies. You are believing some things that are not true about yourself. But having a firm foundation in the truth about reality found in the Bible 
will equip us to recognize and manage unhealthy thought patterns. You see, you might believe that you're worthless or that nothing matters. You might believe that you're never going to change, so what's the point? But the Bible will tell you that you can do all things through Christ. The Bible will tell you that God sent his son to die for you. There is someone that loves you more than you can imagine. These are the truths that will help you when you feel low. It'll give you a clear view of who you are. And we can be reminded that there's hope even in the worst situations. In Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy, heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. If you're in here today and you've ever struggled with anxiety or depression, if you've ever struggled with really any form of mental illness, and you hear the words, I will give you rest. My burden is light. Gosh, that sounds so enticing, doesn't it? It'll keep us grounded when we want to believe lies. You see, mature self-awareness self should involve evaluating and adjusting our habits and behaviors in ways that lead to positive growth. In Psalm 139, 23 to 24, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Get together with God and search out yourself. Learn about yourself. How do you react to things? Why do you react to things? So that the next time, maybe you won't react the same way. Maybe you'll remember something that you've talked about with God. Learn your emotions and learn how they're affected by your thoughts and beliefs. Not only that, but discipleship is an important part of mental health. In order to be a di disciple of God, you must care for your mind, body, and emotions in ways that honor God. You see, the Christian is very aware of the need for spiritual growth. And I'll tell you, in my opinion, spiritual growth is the most important part of your life. But the others can't be ignored or else you're going to lead to imbalance. You see, there's a lot of people out there that can quote to you a lot of Bible verses. There's a lot of people that go to church every week. But if, but if their lives haven't been changed, if their minds aren't changed, if they don't think differently, then what's the point? They don't take what they learn spiritually and apply it to their emotional life. You see, an emotionally mature person, listen to a few things about an emotionally mature person. They clearly express their own feelings. They recognize their own destructive patterns and take steps to break free of them. They love people without trying to control them or change them. They aren't easily offended. They're not defensive when criticized. They're like Jesus. You see, discipleship is more than just religious discipline. It's discipline for all parts of your being. 
Listen to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, like Joe read this morning. It says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Winning, right? Um, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Now, this is true physically, but also mentally, right? Caring for our mental health is important, and we need to train. It doesn't just happen. You think about... Um, you think about an athlete, right? They, they all have goals. And those goals might be different. For one athlete, it might be to make a lot of money. For another athlete, it might be to become famous. For another athlete, it might be to win, right? But the thing that they all have in common is if they want to accomplish those goals, they have to train. And they have to train hard. It's no different for us. This is saying train, work. Work at it, learn. When you guys leave today, um, Dave is going to have a, a handout. If you'd like it, please take one. Um, but it gives you a few practical insights of things that you can do to train yourself to become self-aware. And it almost sounds a little bit weird, but I can tell you, I am going to practice it. So I hope you would too. Um, but it gives you step by step. It says, go find a place to sit down quietly. Think back on an experience that happened recently or whatever, and think about how you reacted. Think about what led up to it. Think about how you might have been able to do it differently. This is training. This is like, um, it's like watching game film, right? Um, it's learning what, what did you do and how can I do it differently? Because I don't know about you guys, but what I've found is I don't just start doing things differently, right? Like you need to, to Make the intentional effort to change it. Caring for our personal health allows us to better love God and others. I always think about when you're on the airplane, right? Uh, what do they tell the parents when the oxygen masks fall down, right? The, they say to the parents, you take a breath and then give it to your kids, right? Make sure that you're ready to be able to help somebody. And I think about that. Like if, if we're taking care of ourselves and our mental health, We'll be able to help others, right? If you have healthy habits in place to help fight off mental illness, you're better equipped to be able to focus on serving God and others. I hope that when you guys go out this morning, you'll be able to take that hand out um, and be able to meditate on it and, and maybe use some practical applications of what we talked about here this morning. You might need to discuss some things further. And to be honest, I'd love to talk to you. I know if, if you don't feel comfortable talking to me, I know Pastor Joe, Pastor Kyle, we'd love to be able to talk to you as you're going through this journey of mental health. Um, we're not qualified experts, so the discussion might lead to a need to speak to somebody else. But even that, we'd love to help you on that journey. Because... We care about each other, and not just our spiritual health, although we certainly do, but the health of the whole person, including your mental health. Uh, please join me in prayer. Dear God, I thank you that you 
care about us. I thank you that you care for our mental health, Lord. God, I pray we'd be open with one another, that we'd share the struggles that we have, that we wouldn't feel shame or we wouldn't cause anyone else to feel shame, God. Paul says that he's the, the chief sinner, and God, we all can say that. I've got no stones to throw at anybody else. So, Lord, I pray you would help us to care for one another, to not feel shame, Lord, and to allow you to work in whatever way you see fit. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.